What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to Experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. You're listening to TMZ Movie Crashers. Welcome back to TMZ's Movie Crashers. I'm your host, Fabian Garcia from TMZ. And I'm your host, Paige Cotton from 2Fab. Uh, lots of movie news this week. We will quickly go through what we're not going to talk about at length today, uh, including the fact that Olivia Newton-John died. Very sad. Obviously famous from Greece, opposite John Travolta. Famous from favorite movies. Right. Famous from Xanadu as well. And a few other roles here and there. She didn't have too many acting credits. Perhaps my just as famous for her music career. But... Obviously, uh, the film community is mourning. She's a Hollywood darling. So her passing is very, very sad. So, so rest in peace to Olivia. Um, apparently, there is a live action Pac-Man movie in the works. And the Chris Pratt jokes are flying, as you can imagine. We'll leave that one there. If you know, you know. Um, and what we're also not going to talk about today is Bullet Train. I know last week we said we were going to do a full review uh, but we're not going to. Uh, I saw it, and it is flaming hot garbage. Uh, I will leave my review at that, really. I mean, it's as, even as far as summer popcorn movies go, this one is just empty and mindless and just bad. I mean, not it really everyone was. feels that way, but I trusted Fabian, so I was like, I'm not going to yeah, see it. Not no. everyone. Yeah, I mean, it's getting some good reviews here and there. People saying, oh, it's a blast. It's a stupid, mindless movie. It's in the same ballpark as... Lost City, which was also what I, I would argue stupid and mindless and just forgetful. Speaking of Lost City, lots of cameos. And the last thing I'll say about it before we move on is Brad Pitt really needs to, in my opinion, hone in, do some actual meaningful work in the, in this quote unquote last leg of his career, as he says, because um, this one was just basically him was Brad Pitt playing Brad Pitt. And he's been doing that for the past three or four roles now, including Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But I don't want to get into all that. We're going to move on. Well, okay. So well, one we are, thing I wanted to mention real quick what, is that Top that? Gun, Top Gun Maverick surpassed Titanic as the seventh highest grossing film ever. Yes, so it I just did. had to, I had to yes, shout that did. out because I was like, yes, I love it, and I kind of want to see it in theaters again before it comes I, on streaming. I, I agree. I agree. Uh, so congrats to Tom Cruise and company. Yeah. Where we are going to start today, though, is with the big motion picture. Uh, this is our biggest movie story of the week, uh, and we have got to talk about. This Batgirl fiasco, even though it's a few days old at this point, it is still top of mind in Hollywood. One of the biggest thing that's happened in the past few months. Literally, like, it's people it's, are shook up. It <laughs> is. It is shaking up Hollywood and studios everywhere. People are yeah. still chattering about it in shock, frankly. Mm -hmm. Essentially, the headline is this: David Zaslav and company and the new regime over at Warner Brothers Discovery are completely scrapping that movie, which was in the can and completed, already shot, and, and was being worked on in post-production. Uh, it was a $75 million initial budget. That crept up to $90 million in post-production costs. They are scrapping it completely. It's not going to get released in theaters, which was never the plan anyway, but it's also not going to get released to HBO Max, which is crazy because that's what that's what that movie was made for. It was made mm -hmm. for, it was supposed to be an HBO Max original, original. release, straight to HBO Max, uh, before the discovery deal, that's what that's what Warner Media was sort of doing. They were kind of 
plugging along on a plan to make these HBO Max original films. They wanted to start with Bat Batgirl, uh, Leslie Grace in the lead role, uh, Latina Batgirl, if you will. She was from uh, In the Heights. Uh, and people were pretty stoked about it, and they were excited. They even released a first look of her a little while ago. So there was a lot of buzz. All of it is gone. Warner Brothers Discovery says, nope, we're not releasing it. We're also not releasing some animated Scooby-Doo movie. I think the Wonder Twins might have been part of that as well. That got scrapped too. And this is part of this new, uh, this new approach with Warner Brothers Discovery. They say that they want to focus on theatrical releases. They're pivoting away from the direct-to-streaming, essentially. Um, and they say that Batgirl just does not fit with that model that they want to stick to. And in, in sticking to that model, they are essentially just cutting their losses. And frankly, it's a lot. It's it's tens of millions of dollars. I think when you add up all the films and whatnot, it adds up to hundreds of millions of dollars in losses, uh, which apparently they're going to write off as a, they're going to write off in tax taxes. Write yeah, some tax write downs. Yeah. Um, so before we talk more about it, let's actually listen to the CFO uh, in the earnings call last week, where he's kind of explained why they did this and the whole new approach. Uh, let's listen to the CFO of Warner Bros. Discovery discuss that at length a little bit more. Number four, substantial investments in direct to HBO Max films, for which, again, we did not find sufficient support. This means adjusting the way we invest going forward and also evaluating those projects already completed or in progress. Wander Twins, Bad Girl, and Scoob Holiday Haunt are examples of streaming films that do not fit this new strategic approach. These are difficult decisions, but we are committed to being disciplined about a framework that guides our content investment for maximum returns. So there it is, CFO talking about why they kind of scrapped Batgirl and other films uh, in this new kind of pivot that they're doing. And earlier on the call, David Zaslav himself said, we want to focus on theaters. We want to get films in theaters first before we put them on streaming in any capacity. Uh, he was kind of touting the success of the Batman to sort of support that. And look, I'll just dive right into it on how I yeah. feel. I mean, I I understand the shock of scrapping Batgirl. The directors were absolutely shocked and blindsided. They released a statement saying as much. They've been getting a lot of support from Hollywood. Kevin Feige's come out. James Gunn has come out in support. Um, and everyone is, and everyone sees this as a big fumble from Warner Brothers Discovery. And frankly, it very well might be. Um, but to me, I got to say, I kind of see their big picture viewpoint. I see the big picture from them, and I see, big picture. I, I, yeah, I, exactly. I see them wanting, to, <laughs> I see them wanting to stick to the theater model. And I actually give them kudos for that because in a time and in an era where the streaming wars are at its peak, everyone is spending maximum amount of money for content cranking out content, going straight to streaming. Um, Warner Brothers Discovery wants to kind of get it back to its roots a little bit and stick to theater releases, uh, especially amid the the shakeup of 2020 or 2021. I forget which one it was, but when Warner Brothers, before this deal, remember Warner was literally releasing their big movies in theaters as well as on HBO oh, Max. Oh, like at Dune? The, yeah, like Dune or Space Jam or whatever. All those King movies. Richard. Yeah, King Richard. All those movies were getting released straight to HBO Max. <laughs> the same exact day as they were out in theaters. And I get that. That was a response to the pandemic and whatnot. Yeah. But Zaslav and company say, no, we're not going to keep sticking to that as we as we kind of climb out of this pandemic. And to that, I say, good, good for them. Now, there were some casualties. Batgirl is one of those casualties. And apparently different reports are saying that the quality of the movie just was not up to snuff for a theater release. And frankly, I could see that being the case. I mean, yeah, the budget was 75 mil. It creeps up to 90 mil in post-production, but it was a $75 million 
movie essentially. And if you look at what superhero movies costs, cost, uh, especially like the Batman, for example, which was like a hundred eighty million dollar budget or something, I can absolutely see why Warner Warner because Batgirl is a big IP for them. Batgirl's a big thing. They don't want to just like just dive into Batgirl with some kind of throwaway movie, which is kind of what the implication is here, that this was some sort of a throwaway movie, sort of done on the cheap, if you will, and that the quality was not really there. There's some disputes on that, like whether the quality was was crap or not. Obviously, it was. I mean, it wasn't it, it was it wasn't good enough for them to release HBO Max. Otherwise, in my mind, they would. So the fact that they're scrapping, it really means that the, the films just were not just were not quality. And to that, I say it's unfortunate. I feel for the directors. I feel for Leslie Grace and everybody that worked on it, but it is what it is. This is just kind of, this is kind of corporate uh, maneuvering, if you will. And, and sometimes when things like this happen, things get cut and I feel bad for Batgirl, but no one's really entitled and, and it is what it is. And they're, they're the parent company, so they can do whatever they want. So that's kind of where I land on it. What about you, Paige? So I kind of disagree. Okay. Um, okay. Well, I do. I do admit that I think they should. I'm all for having theatrical releases and don't, putting original films on HBO Max. <laughs> However, I think that they should have not just done it moving forward because the way they handled this situation, yeah. I think, was really disrespectful. I think it was really shitty, frankly. And like, mm. I was so excited to see Leslie Grace in this role. I mean, I'm not like a big, like, I didn't know much about Batgirl, but I loved Leslie Grace in the Heights. And I was so excited to have a Latina superhero. And she's phenomenal. And I was so looking forward to it. Michael Keaton was going to be in this. Yeah, um, he was. Brendan Fraser, J.K. Simmons. Yeah. And the their claims, uh, when I say they, I mean Warner Brothers Discovery and Zaslov's claims that the film wasn't good enough. There's been a lot of reports that it tested the same as Black Adam and Shazam Fury of the Gods. Wow. And those films are bigger budget theatrical releases. So if an, if an HBO Max film tested the same as that, it can't be that bad. And also True. apparently it's like it wouldn't have it wasn't probably didn't have all the effects and everything because it was in post still. So if you see a superhero film without like CGI and shit, it's not going to look great. Like it's right, going to probably right. look terrible. So the right. fact that even at it's not completed state, it tested at the same levels as these big films are looking forward to. Right. Like, I think that's also crappy. And I think, and let's be real, even if it was bad, DC well, Warner Brothers and DC specifically have released yeah. some really crappy films in theaters that and that made a lot of money. Batman vs Superman, no, no, no shade to Zack Snyder, but that's a horrible film. Like right. I think that movie's awful. So right. and it made a lot of money. Yeah. And so even if they didn't want to release it in theaters, I think they should have still released it on HBO Max. And going forward, and honestly, my main problem with this, and a lot of people have the same frustration, including Kevin Smith, mm -hmm. is that they're still moving forward with the Flash film. Oh my God, yes. That Dude. they're still moving forward with the Flash film. And don't get Ezra me started. Miller's, don't get, I know, ongoing. You know, ongoing. Ongoing. His he, he's been charged with, with burglary, I guess, or yes. something in, Ver, in Vermont or whatever. Oh my yes, God. Yes, it's just ongoing. Guy. And they're still, <laughs> like even Zazzle, they're still excited about the Flash. They say it's a great film, blah, blah, blah. Right. And it's just frankly awful that this film is still being released and something like Batgirl isn't even getting an HBO Max release. And I know they're probably not, they don't, I'm assuming they don't see it as the same thing. But right. even if, if, I mean, as equal films, you know, obviously they don't. But even if The Flash is a great film, I think everything that's happening, people are going to boycott. People don't want to see it. And frankly, people are pissed that this, bat, that Batgirl isn't even getting a, 
a, a streaming treatment. Whereas this, the flash with leader with this, this person who is just terrorizing right everyone is is still um moving forward so you know i i gotta say i'm just this puts a bad taste in my mouth i think warner brothers already had or wbd like they already had a lot of shit i feel like this just makes them look worse and again i don't disagree that they should be doing theatrical films moving forward i just think they should have just paid out the money for the HBO Max for HBO Max for Black Girl to be on HBO Max and then just moved forward. And I think the Flash should get HBO Max should be on HBO Max if not even be released at all. So that's interesting. I mean, I, I do agree that their priorities seem to be out of order a little bit. Yeah. Um. I well, again, I do sort of I embrace their notion of trying to get back to theatrical releases. Yeah. To me, the fact that they're just scrapping it completely and throwing it away uh, for good and not even trying to get any money for it at all or any return for it at all is a little wild that that I will ad- admit and concede. And I do agree that the Ezra Miller saga, that the fact that it's ongoing and the fact that they're still plowing forward with it while kind of pushing this one aside is also a little startling, too. But look, we're going to keep talking about Warner Brothers Discovery and DC. I feel like because we talk about them every other week here. It's, I know. It's, and it's, it's one, just a mess. It's a mess. But what's what's your last point before we move one on? One thing I wanted to note is the way they went about this was also so disrespectful. Like the directors mm. of that girl weren't given a heads up. They were reportedly at one of the director's wedding when they found wow. out that the film was scrapped. Like that's yeah. just shitty and i know I i'm like i'm cussing i'm getting all heated because i'm pissed about this so i think mm. that was even more disrespectful they could have at least given them a heads up before it was leaked yeah i mean like regardless of how you feel about the actual what they actually did i do agree that the 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 way it was handled was absolutely bungled was, yeah absolutely yeah. Uh, so right Mess. so we will revisit warner discovery i'm sure later on there's always news about them <laughs> Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. In the meantime, we're going to move on to our next segment, the Hollywood Hoedown. Uh, oh, there we go. Yep. Uh, Hollywood Hoedown time where we talk about breakout stories in the week. Yeah. And we have got to talk about this James Franco, John Leguizamo thing. James Franco has been cast as Fidel Castro in this independent film. Uh, and John Leguizamo is very angry about it. And he is speaking out very vocally about it. Uh, he says this is appropriating Hispanic and Latino culture. James Franco should not be playing Castro because he's white, even though he has Portuguese roots. John Linguizamo says that's bullcrap. That's not Latino. That's not Latin American. Yes, Portuguese is from like a Latin speaking language or whatever, but it's not the same thing. Um, and of course, the producers of the film have come out and defended James, the actual daughter of Fidel Castro, who this film is about, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, Alina. I think Alina. Um, Alina. Right, Fernandez. Alina. Yeah, Fernandez, correct. Uh, yeah. She has also defended James Franco in the casting. But still, John Leguizamo is fuming about this. Let's actually listen to John in his own words discuss this a little bit uh, right from his own Instagram. Okay, y'all, come on. Let's get real about this whole situation, all right? Now, people saying, oh, John played an Italian in um, 
some of Sam, dude, you think that was the rule? That was the, I was the exception. You think thousands of Latinos were getting Italian roles or any other roles? No, we weren't. And we're the oldest ethnic group in America after Native Americans. We've been here for 500 years and not getting roles. We, we're 30% we're thirty of the box office. I want 30% of the roles, okay? 30%, that means out of every 10 movies, three of those should be Latin movies. And out of 10 actors in your Marvel movies, three of those should be Latin actors, okay? Out of 10 TV series. And then I want the long pipeline too, where white movies get to fail, a million different shows get to fail, and we only get one shot once a year. No, we need a lot of Latin movies and TV shows to be allowed to fail and keep making them and keep fixing them like white shows do, okay? Latin people don't don't get a shot. No, we don't. Even even white Latinos and white passing Latinos don't don't get a shot, you know? Well, Oscar Isaac had to change his name. He can't be Oscar Isaac Hernandez and have the success he has because then he's stigmatized. Bruno Mars, why can't he be uh, his Latin self? Because there's a stigma to it, all right? So it's not the same thing. No, we don't have the same privilege. No, we don't have the same rights. You know, uh, I love Franco. He's cool. James Franco's cool, you know, but he's not Latin just because he's Portuguese. Portuguese and Spaniards are not Latin people. To be Latin, you have to come from Latin America. You have to have been born there. And the majority of us are mixed race, indigenous and black, or a mixture of their cocktail thereof, okay? So let's, 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 let's grow up. So there he is, John Leguizamo, explaining uh, in a very kind of lengthy rant there. And it's, it's sort of rambling, kind of all over the place, but I get his point. And I'll just dive right in and say, yeah, I, agree, I agree with the notion of what he's saying, the bigger point about Latinos need more representation. Latinos need more roles. They need more opportunities and more stories and more, uh, more shows and movies and just a longer leash for those projects to fail the same way the quote unquote white projects do all the time. I completely agree with that, and I'm on board with that. But I got to say, on this specific issue about him calling out James Franco for playing Fidel Castro, I got to say, it's like the pot call calling the kettle black. It really is. I mean, as he, as he rightly noted, he has played lots of different types of races on camera, including Italians. Most notably, I would argue, Luigi, which I know is a fictional character. It's a video game, et cetera, but still... Luigi, a quote-unquote Italian character, he played Luigi in the live-action Super Mario Brothers movie, for God's sake. You know what I mean? And not only that, but I should also point to Carlito's Way, where Al Pacino played a Puerto Rican guy. Al Pacino has played Latinos at least twice. At least twice. Scarface, obviously, and then Carlito's Way. Carlito's Way, John Leguizamo was in that movie, act acting with Al Pacino. Where was all the outrage back then? I mean, maybe, maybe he didn't, I don't know, social media didn't exist. Maybe he actually was outraged, but the fact that he was in that movie speaks volumes to me. And then here he is calling out James Franco for playing Fidel Castro. James Franco looks like Fidel Castro. And I got to be honest, with this whole Anna Armas thing, Anna Armas, a, a Cuban woman playing Marilyn Monroe, maintaining traces of her Spanish accent. I'm sorry, but all these arguments are out the window. I all this all this authentic casting crap to me. I I, I, I understand the intention behind it, but honestly, look. I was always of the notion that acting is acting is acting. Just get the best actor who can do the role the best, who looks the part, who can sound the part, who can embody the character. I don't give a shit where they come from. I don't care what their background is, okay? If they can act and play the role and do it well, that's all that should matter to me. It doesn't matter if you're gay, you're straight, you're this or that. Who cares? As long as you look the part and it looks authentic on camera, that's all that matters. It's acting for God's sake. So I think we've gotten ourselves as a society twisted up in knots about this. 
John Linguizamo is also twisted up and not so bad. I think he's more so he's tied to this argument more so because of the Latino thing. He feels very proud, proud about that. I get it. I get it, bro. I'm on board. We need more Latino stories, more Hispanic. You're, roles. Half, you're half Cuban. Half I'm Colombian. half, I'm half, half, half Cuban, half Colombian myself. So I get it, dude. I'm all for that. But on this specific acting thing on this specific role, I mean, look, we kind of talked about this last week. If the family's on board, it's all good. And the family is on board. The producers are on board. So everyone's fine, except John Leguizamo. And again, he himself has portrayed non-Latino characters. So what are you even talking about right now? Where was this outrage for Al Pacino? Why aren't you talking about Al Pacino playing a Puerto Rican or playing Scarface? Like, what are you doing, bro? So I'm going to leave my, my rant there. John Leguizamo, his, his intentions are well-meaning, but he's completely misguided in this case. Uh, and I just think he's wrong. And I'll leave it at that. What do you think, Paige? I had kind of different thoughts going into it, but now after hearing what you have to say, I kind of, I'm changing my tune a little bit. Okay. So I honestly, I think I don't disagree with you. And I think that it's going, I think he's taking it. I think he's taking it way too far. I think Mm. going into like geography and like, he's not, he's from, you know, he's part Portugal, Portuguese. And that's not, you know, I think he's going a little too far with it. And I agree. Where was this? Why is it just James Franco that he's coming after? What about Al Pacino? What about other castings that had sort of, you know, they weren't um, Latin um, descent and they were playing people that were. Right. So I think all of that is valid. But at the same time, I still feel like they could have chosen someone who looked like him and was looked like Fidel Castro and was a, a Latino actor. Or I agree. Least, they could I have done that. I think that they, I, you know, I've shared my opinion. I'm trying not to like vent this out because I'm running out of time, but you know how my feelings about James Franco, I've I've expressed this yeah, on the I show. Yeah, I mean, I know. So, all that, I'm, I'm not going to go that, into that. All of that is obviously aside. I'm not even going to consider yeah, the album. That's bring, not even not part of this at all. This I know, is just on not, the merits of, I'm not yeah. bringing. I'm not bringing into that. that but you, um, but just, you just did though. Anyway, go on. I know, I did, I did, I did. So that aside... I still feel like they could have chosen a Latino actor and who knows, maybe they had them through the casting process. Maybe they had other Latino actors and then James Franco was the best, but I agree with you that it is, has to be the best actor for the role. When it comes to looks, I don't think that matters as much as the best actor. And I don't think James Franco is like the most talented actor. I think other actors would have been more, um, there are more talented Latino actors who could have done this role better. But I will say, and last thing I'll say real quick, um, Ana Navarro on The View pointed out how a lot of, this is just, I'm not going to go deep into this, but she pointed out something interesting. She said that a lot of Latino actors maybe wouldn't want to play Fidel Castro. Yeah, that's another that's another point. So to this I just wanted I, to note that because I after I saw that, I go, oh, so who knows? Maybe they had Latino actors and then they were like, uh, you know, they didn't even want to audition for the role. So it's possible. It yeah, that, it's hot. Yeah. It, quickly, I'll add to that. So, John, another point John makes on Instagram is that any film that goes deep into the Fidel Castro story can't help but aggrandize him, a.k.a. kind of like prop him up as like a hero or, or humanize him. And obviously he's, he's led a very terrible, brutal communist regime in Cuba. He's committed atrocities against his own people, et cetera. So I get that point too. The last thing I'll say to your point about the Latino actors or whatever, look, when it comes to like casting, 
producers and financers of a movie, they want to make a splash. They are making that splash right now with James Franco as Fidel Castro. He's a big name. He's a recognizable face. He does, in fact, look like Castro when he was young. And look, if he can actually pull off the accent on like Anna Darmas, then I can get behind it. We will see. I'm very curious to see what that trailer looks like. Yeah, if, he, if he speak Spanish. If, if he maybe he can, but if he does, if he if he sounds like crap, I will equally criticize him as much as I did Anna. But we will see. But I get that. Yeah. I, I get the notion that you want to make a big splash. So there's there's obviously motivations behind that as well. Uh, so anyway, we will leave that there, and we will move on to our final segment today, which is uh, what'd you see? What'd you think? Uh, and again, we're not reviewing Bullet Train because it was just so bad. It was even worthy of a review, frankly. What we are going to review is Prey, which is the straight to Hulu movie. It is the latest Predator sequel, uh, kind of a prequel, actually, it's to be prequel. honest. It's a yeah. prequel, right? Um, and I got to say, I loved it. It was absolutely fantastic. Uh, Amber Midthunder is a is a a revelation. Um, the actor who played her brother, I think his last name is Beaver, perhaps. Uh, God, Dakota Beavers. There we go. Dakota yeah. Beavers, uh, who played her brother. The, those two were absolute stars in this movie. Such a thrill ride. And it, frankly, it brings the Predator franchise, because I love the Predator movies. Well, I haven't really seen a whole lot of the newer ones, but part one and part two, those are the true Predator movies to me. And this really brings it back to the roots, especially part one where Arnold Schwarzenegger is in the jungle and they're trying to find the Predator. That part one is the best movie by far because it builds the suspense. You don't really know what's going on. The Predator is kind of hidden until really till the end of the movie. Um, and this movie where it takes place in the 1700s in, in the States before it was colonized. The that's kind of what, yeah, the Great Plains. That's where this movie takes place. And you got the main character, uh, Nara and her trusty dog trying to fight this thing and it's really it's fascinating and the the, the tactics she uses against the predator because obviously the predator is well equipped very much in the high-tech realm of weaponry yeah. and whatnot and he's huge obviously he fucking kills a bear in the movie uh and yet this small relatively unassuming girl i'm not going to ruin it but she holds her own against the predator uh and just such a great thrill ride of a movie it's getting rave reviews everywhere rightly mm -hmm. so um and just a blast it really was and it was it was it, you could tell that they were trying to honor the spirit of the original Predator films, uh, which I very much so appreciated. We need much more of that in these reboots or whatever, because this is a reboot, obviously, but they, they, you know, it's a prequel, but it's really a reboot. Let's just be honest. They've tried to reboot this franchise a lot over the years. They've failed mostly. And this is, this was an achievement. I hope that if they're going to keep doing more Predator movies, they do it like this. This is a great blueprint. Uh, what do you think? So I honestly enjoyed it way more than I thought I would because it's not really mm. like my like type of movie, I would say. Right, right. But I absolutely loved it. I yeah. thought it was – the whole setting, I think, the Great Plains and and having a um, primarily Native American and Indigenous cast, which is like really, really awesome for representation because that is – It was. It was. Yeah. And by the way, because we should mention they, they dubbed it in uh, – Comanche, yes. I believe. Yeah, they, they yes, dubbed they it. they did that as well. Which and frankly, incredible. I got to be honest, they should have filmed it in Comanche to begin with, in my opinion. It should have been in the original language with subtitles. Americans yeah. can just sit through it and deal with it. I love, I can deal with, I love movies with subtitles. If it was Same. in its original language, it would have elevated that movie so much more. But the fact that they dubbed it, I can appreciate as well. But go on, continue. I thought that was incredible. And kind of you mentioned Amber Midthunder. Damn, I didn't really know who she was before, but she's yeah. stellar in this she film. Is. 
She is such a badass. And I love seeing, I mean, I love seeing, it's my sound basic of me. I love seeing like a badass female on screen who's, who proves that she's smarter than the boys and they right. doubt her and stuff. Right. And she holds her own in this film and she is a star and I she definitely is. want to see her in more. Um, and the action in this film was just amazing and the it cinematography was. was phenomenal and honestly the act for the action specifically i think it's some of the best action scenes i've seen in a long time yeah. especially the final battle and especially when it comes to hand-to-hand combat type yes. stuff yes and especially because it's like obviously the you know the, the predator goes invisible and in, in shit and stuff like that so like yeah. you know the fact that she's it makes it look so realistic and you know that was cgi so of that course. was e- even, even part one was phenomenal. cgi it was but like even the predator the, the fact that the character was able to hold her own against the Predator, even with all his cloaking technology, it was just, I loved it. But go and on, sorry. All, and all the stuff with the, I'm not going to spoil it, but like the orange flower and the yeah. way that things happened, which I know also was a nod to the first Predator, I believe. But yes. stuff like that, when she used all of her, you know, she didn't have like any crazy weapons and she was going nope. against this alien um, figure. Yeah. Um, I have to say, though, my favorite part of the movie was the dog. I know it sounds so lame, but I mean, her name's, her real name's Coco. She was Ah. adopted and trained for the film. So she's not a regular movie dog. She was trained for the film. And honestly, she carried, especially in that final scene when she brought the axe. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I literally looked up before I go, I looked on Twitter, does the dog die? Because I was like, I was going to be like, Fabian, I can't watch this movie. The dog yeah, yeah, dies. No, the dog lives. I'm glad the dog didn't die. Spoiler. But dog lives. Yeah. Um, but I will say, like many people, I'm really disappointed this film wasn't released in theaters. I, know we're I agree. I this a lot. Yeah. And I think it would it would have been even better because, you know, in my room with my TV, with the lighting and the, the cinematography, the action doesn't look as good. I would have it loved doesn't. to see it in a theater, especially like even like an IMAX or an XD. It would have been pheno- even more phenomenal. I agree. Um, and real quick, I even looked up why Disney didn't release it in theaters. So I was curious. Yeah, it, ha- it has to do with the, the streaming rights and things yes. like that. Between HBO. The, the, yeah. Between the Disney Fox acquisition and, yeah. and all of that. And there was limits on the streaming boost and stuff like they that. Didn't want, they didn't want to share it with HBO, essentially, which they would have yeah. had to if it got released in theaters. But like, like they did with Death on the Nile. They yeah, did yeah, yeah. Like that. They did like a Hulu and an HBO Max thing. But right. aside from that, you know, I really wish it would have been released in theaters. But um, I, I still enjoyed it. And I hope... That there's more. I hope yeah. they do more films, and I hopefully, you know, maybe Amber Midthutter's in them. But even if not, I hope I I literally love her, and I want her to be in more, and I can't wait to see her in a future films. But everyone should check this movie out, yeah. even if you're not a fan of the Predator films. If you are, you're not. I think you would enjoy it. So the last thing I'll say about it before right. we close is that I wish they they would have actually done a nod to that famous Predator line, which they do recurringly throughout the movies, which is. You are one ugly motherfucker. It's like something to that effect. It's like, damn, you're an ugly motherfucker. Arnold Schwarzenegger says it in part one. Danny Glover says it in part two. Other characters say it in different Predator films when he when he actually sh- loses his mask and you can see how ugly he is. And in the in the in the, in the prey movie, at that point when he's like about to chop her head off and she's like looking right at him in his full face, that that was the moment. And I feel like people were waiting for it. The fact that they do into it, I think they were kind of teasing the audience a little bit. But anyway, great film. I agree. Check it out. Uh, and with that. It was great. We will leave you guys. Thank you for tuning in. Check us out on Spotify, Apple, iHeart. We're on YouTube. We're going to be on the website. And we will check in with you guys next time. Take it easy. See ya.